0: You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 111.
1: You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We
0: can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana.
1: It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by Kingsters
0: for Kingsters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non monogamy, and
1: how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now, your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. So, Yeah, I was like, I could run back in there and disturb the little lion and have her be all upset, or I can pull these Q&A questions up on my phone and I can see your face more clearly.
0: That's clever. And speaking of clever, I'm not really sure I'm making that transition. I was going to go like speaking of clever, something about we weren't clever, so we have to record this podcast again, but it didn't actually have anything to do with being clever. It had to do with uh, technology, maybe technology not being clever.
1: Technology being an asshole.
0: Yeah. So we actually recorded this whole episode two nights ago Mm -hmm. and got done and the SD card shit the bed. Yeah. So we're doing this the second time. I'm going to say that this is going to be even better because we're going to need to go through these questions twice now. So not only will we have all the why shit to say that we had the last time we were on the podcast. But then I'm sure in addition, we will have additional why shit to say to these questions.
1: Something like that. Or at least we've had some more time to sit on them. Usually we don't really look at the questions too hard before it'll be a second set of eyes of our own eyes. This is
0: a really great time to be recording this podcast because the presidential debate is going on right now <clears throat> as we're recording this. And literally, I would rather be doing anything else than watching that. So this has worked out pretty well.
1: I plan on watching a little bit of it later. Just a little bit. I don't. I don't blame you. I am curious enough to turn it on for a few minutes and probably going to turn it off fairly quickly.
0: Yeah. The thing is, and we're not going to go too far into politics, but number one, I already voted. Number two, even if I hadn't already voted, nothing that's going to be said in this debate is going, would would be changing my vote. Not, my vote does not hinge on this debate anyways. I feel like it's just getting annoyed at the world for no reason. And the last debate was when you and Amanda were quarantined at your parents. Yeah. Really, I was quarantined, but you were at your parents.
1: You were quarantined, but we you quarantined at home, and we went to my parents for that.
0: Time. I was quarantined here, and... You were like, oh, are you watching the debate? I was like, no, I'm intentionally not watching the debate. And then I caught like the last six minutes of it, which just made me doubly glad I hadn't watched the debate.
1: You know what I was doing? I was taking a bath. I took a bath during the debate. And then I caught like the last five minutes. Seems like you you were just
0: making a relaxing situation stressful at that point.
1: No, I came out and everybody else was watching the debate. So I sat down. And I'm sure right now we
0: have listeners like, what's wrong with you? Like, why don't you want to listen to the debate? Don't you care about who becomes president? The answer is yes. I do. I absolutely do. And the debate doesn't change it.
1: Yeah. I I know who I'm voting for.
0: Yep. So, but I guess stuff that's maybe less impactful on the world, but currently more interesting in mind than the presidential debates This baby has been hilarious the last little bit. I know we'd wanted to mention that because uh, we have polybaby stuff going on and there's been some amusing stuff that's happened. I know we'd wanted to mention that a little bit during the host chat here. She's
1: just getting so big so fast. She's still... So she's like seven months old now. And it's one of those things where she's too big for her britches not to use like an old uh, (laughs) saying like my grandfather would say. She's like trying to do all of these things and she's getting into stuff and she's getting stuck with things and and then she's trying to talk too. Yeah,
0: well it's interesting. I have I have specified this or described this to a couple people including my mom I think in video sending a picture of the baby trying to read nightmare before christmas and then pulling apart a stack of stuff and tossing it on the floor as she's in Full blown toddler phase all of a sudden, and she can't toddle, but she got her walker, and so now she can get herself around and just decide to go like throw stacks of papers off the nightstand and also try to pet the cat. I think I was telling you this this morning, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, Man Cup and I have been working out in the morning and taking the baby, and the shift is like Man Cup and I will take the baby while we work out, and then Man Cup has the baby for his shift, and so you get a few baby free hours in the morning. So she's been trying to pet the cat, but the problem is she can't actually reach the cat from the walker. All she could do is run the cat over <laughs> trying to get to the cat because she can't, like, reach. And so she's constantly, like, chasing the cat around and then, like, running into him with the walker and him taking off and being like, wait, friend, why? Why won't you let me pet you?
1: I just want to pet you. I just want to love you. Why do you keep running? <laughs>
0: So it's been funny, but yeah, she's toddler phase without being able to toddle. And yeah, she has been talking, and I know that's what brought around us say we needed to discuss this on the podcast because she uh, has two moms, and she has now decided herself how she wants to verbally distinguish you from Amanda.
1: Amanda's not nursing anymore, it's just me. And so I am boob mom because one of her first words, the first thing that she actually really the first word she had was boob, pretty clear boob. And we tried switching it over to food and she just looked at us like, you know exactly what I'm saying. I am saying boob. So now she started doing mom and she has been calling me boob mom and Amanda mom. So that is how she is uh, splitting the two of us so hard is I am the mom.
0: Yes. I think it's actually pretty clever that she's found a way to distinguish between you two as far as who she wants. Yeah, so, I think yeah, it's yeah, really cool. But it's cool. Booma boom mom. Mama. Booma.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's doing that and she's just so
0: – Can we step back to where you're mom for a second? Yes. Because it's fucking – hilarious how did you feel the first time she said that to you
1: so there was times where she was doing like boob and ma and i was thinking like she was calling for me but also wanting to nurse because that's where boob came from is that's what she says when she wants to nurse and man cup had her and she turned and she was like boob mom and man cup was like did she just call you the boob mom and i'm like i think she did call me the boob mom and then she was like mom to, to amanda and then she turned around and was like boob mom and I was like okay yeah that is definitely what we're doing so she had done it a couple of times before that uh, but the first time I recognized it it was like okay I feel like that's fair enough we have we that is a very descriptive phrase you've got there it's very on point it is the boob mom so I'm all right I'm just gonna embrace it I'm gonna roll with it
0: not
1: going to critique the seven-month-old too much yeah
0: but yeah there's lots of fun stuff going on with that but i think folks lest we sit here and discuss stuff going on in our lives all night i think we'll actually go ahead hop in your questions we got some really good ones tonight and get you all some answers our first question is from supers Really hope that's your real name, because awesome. 32 in Pennsylvania. I am engaged to a woman I love very much, but she outright hates my kink. I am an exhibitionist, and there's nothing better than masturbating online. Maybe masturbating in person or sex in front of other people, but I've never done either, and I digress. She says it's cheating. She's very vanilla, and I've taught her most of the things sexually. Like I said, I love her very much, but she travels a lot for work, and I'm starting to resent being put in a box. Honestly, I still do it while she's gone, but then have to lie if she asks. Sometimes she does, but not as much as she used to. Any help is appreciated. Thanks. Just start with this. I know you're going to take this question, because that's how we do the questions. One reads, one starts. Etc., but supers, you're in the right place if you don't like her putting you in a box because that's what we do here. We build relationships. What is it, Cassie?
1: Outside the box.
0: Outside the box.
1: Wow. It was
0: like wide open for our catchphrase. Wow, okay. Unless our catchphrase is practical poly advice because it depends on who you ask.
1: That's true. The big thing here is you're talking about having to – do this thing anyway, and that it's something that you need and that you're going to do. And it really comes down to you really needing to have a conversation with your partner. And I'm not saying like, you need to come and be like, I'm being truthful about this, but this needs to be a decision. This is something that you're going to need to do and want to do. You should have the conversation. That's what you need and want.
0: Yeah. This is the thing, Superson. This is what we do. We talk to people about challenges going on in their relationships and you learn to pick up on some flags of things. And the thing about this that I pull out just reading this is I'm starting to resent. And resent is kind of a red flag word and it's not a red flag word because there's anything inherently wrong with getting resentful. I know a lot of people think like resent is like, resentment, resentful is like a dirty word. And it's absolutely not. The truth of the matter is, Resentment is just what happens naturally when we're in a situation where we're not getting our needs met for a period of time. It's not like a bad word in terms of you're bad for having it, but it is definitely a warning sign in terms of saying that there's something that you need that you want that you're not getting in this relationship. And when we're talking to people about needs and needs that come into conflict with our partner's needs, sometimes we have things that we want that we can put on the back burner or not do, and we'd like to do it, we wanna do it, makes us happy to do it, but really at the end of the day, if we don't do it, we'll be okay. Sometimes in those situations, it's better to say, okay, this is one of those areas. We're all gonna have these different areas in life, and this is one of those areas that I don't really need. I'm just gonna set aside for the sake of having a decent relationship as a whole. But when you're saying the word resentful, that tells me that this isn't one of those things. This isn't one of those things that you can set aside and be okay with. So you're going to have to have a conversation. And the other piece of this is talking about lying if she asks. And the truth is, with the lying, it needs to stop. And it needs to stop not just because it's the right thing to do, to be honest with your partner. But it needs to stop because really what you're doing is you have a difficult conversation that you need to have that you're choosing not to have, right? Because it's difficult or you don't know how or whatever. But you're still going to have to eventually have it. And all you're doing in the meantime is kicking that can down the road and then stacking. Now, not only are you going to need to have a difficult conversation, but you need to have a difficult conversation and then also... Probably wind up having to explain that you've been lying on top of it, which really is just making an already hard conversation even more difficult. So, you know, it's one of those things that it's better to rip that band-aid off and get it out of the way than to stack it up. And now not only do you have to have the hard conversation, but also you've been resentful and that's probably damaging the relationship over building that up. And you have to explain that you lied, which then probably your partner's upset about that as well.
1: Yeah, and there is some compromise that can happen here, right? Like it could be you don't do this all the time, maybe it's just when she's away, things like that, and finding a solution that works for the two of you, but this having to lie about it and it come back up later, it's really just putting off a conversation that you're going to have.
0: And I'll say the only way you can start working towards that process of finding a compromise Is to have a conversation and part of that conversation be, look, I really need this. And it's not an option. Because here's the thing. And this is something you see all the time in relationships. Your partner doesn't want you to do something. They don't want something in your relationship to change. And you go, hey, I'd like to change this. And they go, no, I wouldn't want that. And you go, okay, I'm not going to push it at this point. They're perfectly happy to just let it sit right? They're fine. This is what they wanted anyways. And so until you bring that to the front and go, Hey, look, this isn't workable for me. We need to find a solution. Chances are, they're not going to work really hard to compromise and find a middle ground that works for you both here. So that's just something else I wanted to throw out there. Anything else you want to tack in here, Cassie?
1: No, that sounds good.
0: Okay. So A, have the conversation. Yeah, B, have the conversation. I think, yeah, that's I, really think
1: it's, I think it's A and B is the answer not The answer at the end of the
0: day. All right,
1: next. Our next question's from Summer, 28, Florida. I'm getting married to my submissive in December. He is also another master's slave. He is in chastity 24-7. His master is generous and unlocks him twice a month for my use. I sometimes take him up on it. Other times I don't. I am a gray sexual and don't mind the arrangement at all. The three of us have had this arrangement for five years and it works out perfectly because it keeps pressure off of me for sex. I don't really want our arrangement to change, but our wedding falls on the opposite week of unchastity and we are going away on our honeymoon for two weeks. I really want to be able to engage in marital activities with my new husband during this time, but his master has declined my request. I want to respect our arrangement. But I'm outright angry and feeling disrespected. Am I overreacting? How do you suggest I handle this situation?
0: So before we really jump in answering this question, can we just discuss that they use the term marital activities because I love it. Yes. That was really the discussion. I love it. Okay, that's pretty awesome. As far as the question – I feel like sometimes maybe a lot of the times we're talking about power exchange relationships and polyamorous relationships and relationships in general, but especially relationships outside of the box. We make things so complicated and really at the end of the day, This situation is just about being a decent human being.
1: Yeah. This is one of those situations where this is a reasonable ask. You're getting married, you're going away, and you want to be able to have sex with your husband, who is also your submissive. Like You want to be able to do those things while you're gone, and that's a reasonable ask. And... We can sometimes get caught up in the this is my power exchange. It's got to look like this and this is what we do. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that power exchange is not important. Like that isn't what I'm saying. But we can take it a step too far sometimes.
0: We all have these places in power exchange where the fantasy – winds up bumping into the reality of like just what it actually takes to move through the world and interact with other people. And this is definitely one of those places. And it's not to suggest that I had said at the beginning, it's just about people being decent people. And this is really the real problem with this because it's not that this person you're master I remembered it from the last time.
1: Yes, you said mastermore. your, your master
0: more. It isn't that your master more is probably not a decent person or is an unreasonable person. The problem is that, like I said, all of us, no matter how reasonable, unreasonable, whatever, tend to wind up falling into this fantasy sometimes and not recognizing the place is that really we just need to move through life and interact with the people in it. Like as said, this is absolutely a decent ask. Now, I want to talk about how to ask. And one thing that I'll fill in here, because you actually had more background than me. And so the last time when we were recording, we actually wound up in a little bit of back and forth about information I didn't have. But just for me to fill in, what's not in the question is that Summer actually has a really good collaborative relationship with their master more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: We'll keep using it. Uh, <laughs> anybody out there, feel free to borrow mastermore. I want to see it trending on Twitter. I want to see it trending on FetLife. <laughs> Whatever. Just saying, great word. Give it like an 8 out of 10. You should totally use it, okay? But Summer actually has a really collaborative relationship with their mastermore because if the submissive and chastity was at the vertex of a V here it would actually fall on the submissive mm-hmm. to manage his relationships and go back to this other master and be like, hey, this restriction that you're putting on me is impacting my other relationship in a way that I'm not okay with for this weekend.
1: Yeah, for this us going away for our honeymoon. But in this case, Summer does have that good interaction. And what I recommend for you, Summer, is, is – this might just be a conversation to have about how good of a relationship you have, right? To say, look, we have this thing that has worked for five plus years. Let's not build up resentment or build up hurt feelings and bad vibes because I want to be able to have this experience with my husband/slash submissive during our honeymoon and our wedding night. You may want to phrase it that way. You might want to bring it as, look, this is a, this is something just as you said in your question that I don't want to change. I just want the flexibility around this particular time.
0: And I think that's how you approach it. Right. So go ahead and have that conversation. No, you're not overreacting or at least, you know, I'll say this, you're saying I'm angry and feeling disrespected. I don't know if I'd go that route because again, like I said, We all fall into this from time to time, but that's a perfectly normal feeling for you to have. And I don't think that you're reacting in terms of actually wanting this for your wedding night. Okay. So go ahead, have that conversation and see what kind of movement you can get on it. Our next question is from Riley, 34, Pennsylvania. Help. I don't want to be a bad metamore. The bad's all in caps. My wife and I have had some really negative polyamory experiences that have left me with tons of anxiety. Her last partner was trying to get her to run away with him to get away from her horrible marriage. I irrationally fear that every person she sees is going to try to manipulate her into pushing me out of her life. She has a new partner who is a really nice guy. He is someone I would hang with even if they weren't dating. But every time he's around, I get edgy and act like a dick suggestions on how to move past the past so I can be a better
1: partner and meta. So to just kind of start off with this question, like the thing that I want you to recognize is that you're doing a good job looking at it and saying, hey, this is irrational, but I'm still acting this way that's not appropriate. You're recognizing that. The first step is, and we'll talk about how to work through that. But in the beginning, if you're gonna act like a dick, it's probably better not to hang out with this person until you know that you can control the way that you're acting. So that way you don't end up damaging a relationship with somebody who, as you said, is somebody that you would hang with anyway.
0: So let's talk about this whole running into the past and the way to work on that. So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you this simple answer. We'll start with that. The simple answer is this comes down to working on the stories that you're telling yourself about this situation. You know, you've had some bad experiences in the past, but well, you can look at this situation with this person and go, hey, is this situation different? What's different about the situation? What's different about this person? Is he really the same person as the last partner? Does it seem like uh, he's pushing me out of her life? Do I have any evidence that he's encouraging her? to run away from me or to try and split us up? What evidence do I have that actually he's not doing that? What evidence do I have that he's actually supportive of our relationship with each other? And you can really start looking at and questioning those things when they come up for you. So recognizing when you're telling yourself a story about what's happening, because that's what's happening. You're looking at this new relationship and telling yourself stories about what's going on. And really questioning the truth of that. What's true? What's not true? What are the possibilities here? Is it possible that this guy could be an amazing partner? And you can do that. And that's that's kind of the step. And that's what I would encourage you to really do. And you're, you're starting down that road by recognizing that I irrationally fear, right? So you're kind of cognitively recognizing that. But what it's going to be... Is not just cognitively recognizing it but really working on questioning those stories when they come up and building yourself reasons and evidence for why this is different until that becomes more of like a subconscious automatic process that's the easy answer and i really encourage you to do that but i say that's the easy answer because that may work but there's also a chance here just from my experience with relationships and reading what you've written here that there's more going on here than just that. This runs deeper than something that I'm just going to be able to give you a pat answer on a podcast about and you're going to be able to make shifts and you know I was talking earlier with Supers about red flags that come up. And there's a couple things here that I kind of see that kind of stick out to me. And say, hey, you know, this may be a little more complicated than just telling yourself better stories. And one is that you and your wife have had some really negative polyamory experiences. So it's been more than one. And the second piece that I see here that really sticks out to me is you saying, basically, you know, that you're showing up in a way that you don't want. And you're recognizing that and you're still unable to stop yourself. A couple days ago, I actually wound up doing a Facebook live because this was something that's come up in my conversations with folks a lot recently that it's not easy to break cycles that we find ourselves in. Like we all think it should be easy just to recognize a cycle that we're going to break out of it, but it's so often not. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with us or wrong with our relationship, but you know when we're stuck in a cycle when we build up habits, when we build up patterns over weeks or months or years of how we interact with our partners, of how we do polyamory, of how we do relationships, of how we show up, you know, it's not easy to just look at a situation and go, oh, this should be different and snap our fingers and it happened. It's not that easy. It's actually really difficult to shift years worth of patterns a lot of the time. When you're talking about shifting years worth of patterns, either in how you're showing up to your relationships with your wife, or I have to look at this and say underneath this, I think there's a possibility just reading this that you say that we've had some really negative polyamorous experiences. And I'd question as well, is this really just how you're showing up? Or do you and your wife have some patterns in how you do polyamorous relationships that maybe you haven't broken or shifted yet. Because if that's the case, if you know you and your wife have had some really negative experiences and you haven't really made the shifts, gotten the skills to where that's not going to happen again, you're not going to run into those same negative experiences again. You know, it's super easy to sit here and tell you, look, tell yourself better stories about how this is going to go. But if the truth of the matter is, it may go poorly because, you know, you do have run into problems in the past. and You haven't fixed those things yet. And you're not comfortable and confident they're fixed and actually gone. It's going to be hard for you to show up the way you want, no matter how much you sit here and tell yourself better stories or whatever. The answer, like I said, that you can go and you can try is tell yourself better stories. Right. Work on that stuff. I said, really question when that stuff comes up, really Try and find your reasons and your evidence for why this time's going to be different. Give that a shot for maybe like a week. The truth of the matter is, I really hope that works for you. But if this does go deeper, which again, I think is a pretty good chance just from the question you're sending in, the real truth of the matter is, this isn't a problem we're going to be able to solve We're going to podcast episode with a question. This is what we do is help people break these cycles. If either you're listening to this, you're going, Ooh, yeah, we do have places we've run into problems before that I realize probably aren't resolved. Or if you try this for a week and you're recognizing, I'm still showing up the way I don't want, it's not going to be that easy of a fix. Go ahead, set up a call. You can always do that at touchoflavor.com forward slash call. Set up a free call, pop on with Cassie or I. And we can dive into what exactly are those cycles that you found yourself stuck in, whether that's how you're showing up, whether that's the patterns in your relationship or whatever, and what shifts can be made. What would it take to break those cycles that going forward, you can show up as that partner that you want?
1: And we can go ahead and link to that live that you just talked about in the show notes.
0: And folks, you can find those show notes at touchflavor.com forward slash 111. So like Cass said, we'll link that live. I think it's called uh, There's Nothing Wrong With You. But really, I would say, Riley, go ahead and give that a watch as well. I think it'll be really helpful for you with where you're at.
1: Martha, 49, Michigan. I need some advice. I was with a man for 21 years that did not compliment me much and got on me about my weight. He is now my ex-husband, which she described with a winky face that's smiley. But now my fiance is such a wonderful lady, but she's starting to get frustrated that I don't take her compliments. Example, I get out of the shower and she says, wow, look at your body. You're so sexy, babe. And I'll shoot back something like, sweetie, you need to buy some glasses. This just frustrates the fuck out of her. I do finally say thank you, but she tells me I'm not convincing and it feels like I'm calling her a liar. I would like help with taking compliments and also making her feel like I do appreciate her efforts.
0: So Martha, we'll talk about taking compliments right here in a minute. But the truth of this is that taking compliments is actually not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. It's something you can do to work on the problem a little bit. Like I said, I'll touch on that. But the real problem here isn't about your ability to take compliments. The real problem here is that you're still seeing what your ex-husband said as true. You still have an image of yourself as someone who isn't deserving of compliments, as somebody who isn't attractive, and because that's how you're still seeing yourself and it may not be completely but at least some that's still some of how you see yourself when your fiance gives you compliments they clash with that reality of who you see yourself to be so the real challenge isn't learning to accept compliments the real challenge is you getting to a place where you're comfortable with yourself where you're comfortable with your body where you know and believe that you're beautiful. And where because of that, when your fiance does compliment you, it's just like, oh yeah, that's true. Thank you. So two things. Anytime we're talking about having something about ourselves that we're unhappy with, there's only really two ways to approach it. And the first one is to change the thing is to change the thing we don't like. If we have something about ourselves, like as far as the way we look that we don't-
1: Like, I don't like my hair, so I'm gonna go get it done. Or I'm unhappy with the way that my clothes are fitting, so I go on a diet, whatever it is. Or get new clothes. Or get new clothes that fit you better.
0: So you can always work on changing the thing, but the truth is that's not really the tricky part here because regardless of changing the thing, that's entirely your choice. And whether you choose to change a thing or not change a thing, So whether you have things about your appearance that you choose to change or not, the truth is you're still going to have work to do on getting comfortable with you. And that's really the bigger, more important piece here. So what you want to do is start looking for places that demonstrate to you that you are attractive. And let's just start with the fact that clearly the person who didn't think you were attractive wasn't that great of a guy because he's now your ex-husband.
1: And now you have this, as you describe her, wonderful lady who is your fiancé who is telling you that you have a sexy body. Who is your fiancé? Who's going to marry you? So obviously there's somebody who thinks that you are sexy, right? And the truth is this, you need to ask yourself, do you think your fiancé's lying to you?
0: Because chances are she's not. Why would she? And if she's not lying to you, then ask yourself, like, can you work on believing that you are beautiful, that you are sexy, that you are attractive, that you are fantastic the way you are? Even if you are working on changing some things about yourself and you're working on getting even better in those things or That phrasing doesn't really work without a specific example, but even if you do have something that you're working towards improving and you're working towards that, at the end of the day, your fiance thinks you're sexy and beautiful now. The person who's probably the most important person in the world to you thinks that you are sexy. You are attractive. You are beautiful. So when you're looking for examples of that's really true about yourself, that you are an attractive, beautiful person, you start with that.
1: Yeah. So the thing is, is like, you want to get to a place where you believe it. And if you can't start with, I absolutely believe that, at least starting with the place that I believe my partner believes I am.
0: And then go from there. What are the things you do find attractive about yourself? I guarantee you there are things. Even if you have things about yourself that maybe right now you aren't comfortable with, I guarantee that there's plenty of things about yourself that you do find attractive. So what are those things? Think of them, write them down, whatever you need to do. But really start noticing those things for yourself. What would you need to notice about yourself to believe that you are attractive, you are sexy? What would you need to believe about your partner saying that to you? And then the last piece of this, and I'll take this back to the accepting the compliments, is it said that that's not the real problem here, and it's not. But part of the way that you can work on getting to a point of accepting yourself and understanding that you are beautiful and you are sexy is to notice when you have that tendency, that old pattern come up to immediately downplay yourself, to immediately refuse to believe that you could be sexy or could be attractive. And then don't say the thing. And do that, not because that makes you better at accepting compliments, but do that because that's a step that will help you. Like when you notice that negative self-talk and you stop it and you replace it with something better, like my partner really does think I'm attractive. She does think I'm sexy. She's saying that because she really believes those things because I am attractive to her or here's all the things that are attractive about me. That'll be one step closer to you getting to a place of being congruent and being comfortable with yourself and who you are as you are.
1: And lastly, just when you get to that place, you get to then have the being sincere in your thank you. Like when you really feel it, when you're really embracing it, then it'll feel sincere to your partner. It won't feel like you're just giving a a thank you and not being sincere.
0: Our next question is from Jenny, 26 in Maryland. I have found a perspective dominant and have been communicating for four to five months. They have not yet me in person because of COVID, but we planned to before the holidays. They have suggested we move forward into online play to take the edge off, so to speak. I'm a little hesitant, but I don't know if it's a good or bad idea. Could they blackmail me or something? What are your thoughts on playing online with someone you have not met yet? Pros? Cons? So, Jenny, Cassie's going to have a whole lot of advice for you, but I just want to lay something out here. I was just talking about the real problem with Martha. So, Jenny, with you, the real problem isn't about whether or not online play is risky. The real problem is that you're not in a place of trusting this person yet. Because truth of the matter is, yeah, online stuff has a set of risks. Just like meeting in person has a set of risks. So the real challenge here isn't whether this is online, not online. The real challenge here is that you're not in a place yet of fully trusting this person. And that's fine. That's how new relationships work. So you need to find a way to minimize the risks in whatever you're choosing to do.
1: Yeah. And really the first question in all of this is you're asking the pros and the cons. Is this something I want to do? Is this going to feed me? So. In COVID, maybe you're not playing, maybe you're not getting that power exchange that you need. So the pro may be getting you those things. Well, if it's not, then there isn't the pros. You're going to have to weigh what you're getting out of this based on your needs, wants and desires in this situation. So the pros of it is it could meet those needs. The cons are there are risks, but there's risks in everything we do. And you want to evaluate like what you're getting out of it and really take the precautions that you can to mitigate some of those risks. So things like if you're going to do something that's like a video play session, not having your face in it or wearing a mask or not having identifying marks like tattoos or things like that showing. If you're exchanging photos, same thing. There's ways to mitigate some of those risks, but it really comes down to, is this something that is going to serve the need that you're looking for it to serve?
0: And then like with anything, there's risks in everything we do, and there's going to be risks doing something with a new person, whether it's online or off, and just consider what you can do to mitigate those risks and get them to a level that they're acceptable to you.
1: And lastly, just like meeting someone in person, we don't always do everything when we first meet them. This is your first time playing online with this person. So maybe this time you don't show anything that could, you know, be identifiable. Maybe the next time you do, maybe uh, this time it's just words, maybe you don't have cameras on and you say something. There's always the opportunity as trust is built and time goes on for things to expand as well. Our last question is from Sean from New Jersey people think that women looking to date a couple are rare. I say couples looking to date mass types are nearly non-existent. Any advice for this arrangement? So Sean, there's a couple of things here that I want to point out. And one is women looking to date couples are not rare. rare. We actually have addressed this a couple times in different podcasts and things like that. And the almost non-existent folks looking for a mass type is not true either. Typically when folks say something is not existent or you can't find it, or it's a unicorn, or it's a dragon, it's some mystical creature, it's not because it doesn't exist. It's because the way that we're looking for it or the expectations we have around it are hard to find. So a lot of this goes into what are you actually looking for and how are you presenting it?
0: So here's the thing, Sean. Just truth, are couples looking to date mask types more rare than couples looking to date women? Yes. But this is also the truth. It's a big world. And there are increasingly more and more polyamorous people in it. So when you say, when I say, is it more rare? I mean, it's more rare by comparison, but that doesn't mean that there aren't plenty of couples out there who would love to find a dragon.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, is that this is the conversation that I've had with a lot of folks in the past some of the clients that I had when I was, I was helping folks with dating is I have this thing. I don't think I'm ever going to find somebody who's going to like it. And that's the same conversation that every little, every dominant woman, every submissive man, every uh, person who's a sadomasochist or every person who's into a certain rope bondage.
0: Everyone who does poly this way and then everybody who does poly this way and then everybody who does poly this way. Yeah.
1: I'm never going to find somebody who meets blank. And the truth is that there is enough people in this big old wide world to find whatever you're looking for. There's a couple of caveats to that, and I'm going to hit that in a second. But there are people out there looking for those things. I can't tell you how many people that have gone through just even our relationship programs who are MF couples looking for another M. We've had lots of clients who have been like, we can't find our other M. So it's not some mystical thing that's distant. It is, how are you going about it? And so one of the things that we bring up a lot when people are like unicorns are mystical creatures is what are your expectations other than dating a couple? What is it that you're looking for? Do you have a standard that is so far out there that it cannot be reached?
0: Yeah. And this, taking it to the unicorn example for a second, is a woman looking to date a couple hard to find? Mm -hmm. No. In spite of the myth, no. Is a woman who's willing to date a couple who is promising that relationship will grow equally, who isn't going to date anybody else, who is always going to be the dirty little secret, never needs to be recognized as a member of the relationship, is never going to have equal say, right? Is is only going to be able to come over and then has to sleep on the couch because the kids can't know even after years that this person's involved in your life.
1: And By the way, you're only allowed over on Saturdays.
0: And you're only allowed to have anal sex because vaginal sex is reserved for the wife in this relationship. Is something like that getting hard to find? Yes. And honestly, unfortunately, not hard enough. So is a woman looking for that rare? Yes. But that's not at all the same thing as looking for a couple. And along with that, you know, it's also important to kind of recognize the reality here that there is a lot more social stigma attached to let's say MMF relationships than there is to FFM relationships which doesn't necessarily mean that there's less people maybe a little less but it doesn't mean that people are less open about it I would say this number one understand that there absolutely are people out there might you have to look a little more sure but there are absolutely people out there for you there are absolutely people out there for anybody looking for any kind of relationship. More rare in a world this size with so many options still leaves plenty of people. And if I was monogamous, I might say you only need to find one, but you only need to find maybe a couple, maybe a few. And then along with that, like Cassie was saying, just really make sure that you're checking in on what other expectations you're setting around this. So many people run into trouble, and I was just illustrating this a second ago, not by the base thing that they're looking for, but by stacking so many other criteria on what they're looking for that they can't ever find anybody because that person is really rare at that point. And I'm not saying don't have standards. You absolutely should. But really consider what is a standard? Like what is a must for me? What are those few musts for me, really? And what are all the places that I can be flexible on if I find the right people? And we all have plenty of those things. All right. And then get out there and look and make sure to be direct about what you're asking or what you're looking for. If you're on a dating site or something like that, Tinder OK, Cupid, or whatever, which by the way, would be better places to look for this kind of thing than like Christian Mingle or something like that. So the space you're looking in plays a little bit of a role. Just be up front. Go ahead, put it in your profile. Hey, this is ideally at the end of the day, what I'd like to find. And especially with people who are open to those kinds of relationships, maybe being a little bit more reserved, like I said, because of the social stigma, you give them a better chance to find you as well. All right. But at the end of the day, don't give up. Don't tell yourself that they're non-existent. Tell yourself that it's a big world. It's a world with plenty of people in it. And there's definitely people out there for you to find.
1: Thanks for listening to the touch of flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open
0: relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your
1: question at a touch of dot com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at eight three three ask TOF one. We need this. Burm, burm, burm. I knew exactly what you were going to do. Oh,
0: wait a minute.
1: Am I getting a strip tease now? Cheese requires no clothes on or clothes coming off, rather. Nice, <laughs> you just tangled your shirt and my cord. I ain't gotten no dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> I thought I could get this last dance here for free.
0: We should probably record.
1: A porno or this podcast? Because I mean, you could go one way or the other.
0: Not sure how that happened. Just <laughs> went with it.
1: I'm perfectly down. I just got a t-shirt. Here, you can have your t-shirt back. All
0: right. Questions.
1: What the hell is that? I don't even know what the hell that is. I was going to ask. What is that? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I see a piece of a hose. I'm, I'm not close. going there. But what i'm saying is what is that with the nuts what is this black box what why are you a fucking chipmunk i feel like Uh, i
0: wish i could say no but it actually wouldn't surprise me there was a
1: stick the leaf was the stretching i'm sorry i will detect the leaf there was not a leaf but you bring shit from outside except for the
0: random shit that i bring oops there's that (laughs) acorn oh my god
1: you're gathering shit for the winter like winter's coming yeah so
0: about these questions <laughs> we're talking about there's an acorn there's
1: a fucking acorn man what the hell <laughs>